Welcome back to Creative Outcomes. If this is your first time here, we work with nearly 100 digital creative agencies, and we bring you the inside scoop and spill the tea for what makes the best the best. Subscribe to our channel and turn on notifications if you'd like to keep up with our latest hacks. On today's episode, we're sitting down with Craig Baldwin and to talk about the importance of revenue forecasting. Revenue forecasting is often overlooked in many businesses. Not only is it a struggle to do, but it's really hard to get it accurate. In practice, I see businesses struggling to revenue forecast for several reasons. A lot of agencies that I work with rely on word of mouth as a lead gen source, or they aren't actively um, tracking potential leads, or the business owner is primarily doing most of the business development, so they're relying on their gut instinct on what they're going to close. This topic doesn't have to be scary, um, so we're going to kind of break it down today. What are the steps that an agency should take to look at their revenue forecast? First and foremost is I'm just going to start with the assumption that you've already put a budget in place for the year. That is to say, you have some sort of goal that you're looking to meet from a sales or revenue perspective. Secondly, I will assume that you have some sort of pipeline where you're managing active deals and deals that you've won. And then from a delivery perspective, I'm going to assume that you're managing those contracts and you're managing the delivery. That is to say, you know how much of that contract has been earned and then how much is still to go for you to earn future revenue. If you're doing all of those things and doing them accurately, forecasting revenue is not that scary. If you're not doing those things accurately, it can be really, really, really challenging. And you kind of go back to what you talked about earlier, where you're just running your, your business on hopes and prayers, to be honest with you. And I think we all know how that goes. So those are the key foundations of revenue forecasting. Can we break it down a little bit and give, I, I see several different types of like pipeline software tracking tools. Like I've got people that are using Excel spreadsheets, Google spreadsheets to like a Salesforce. Like, is there a recommendation that we have for small businesses? Hey, like this is good price, good, good value. Like what's your standpoint on that? Yeah. Um, I, I don't have a strong opinion on the software that's used. I would try not to use spreadsheets. I think that um, when managing a pipeline, there are a lot of inputs and a lot of variability. And sometimes spreadsheets can become more work than they're worth in regard to that. Um, we at HubSpot, or I'm sorry, at Upsource, we use HubSpot uh, in the beginning of the days because it was free for us to use. It's also very straightforward and has a lot of the functionality you may need. Salesforce may be heavy handed for a, a small agency of, say, 10 to 20 people. But maybe if you're 50, 60, 70 people, Salesforce might make more sense. And then, of course, there's lots of other players out there. I know Pipedrive is one that folks like to use. So I would say a lot of it is personal preference. What is most imperative as it relates to that software is do you have um, proper stages? That is to say, uh, when a lead comes in or a relationship comes in, have you denoted that? Do you have another stage for um, some type of introductory conversation? Another one for qualified deals. Um, and then typically you see one for proposal. And then, of course, you either won it, lost it, or perhaps you've um, disqualified that deal early on. You need to have those stages in place. That's what the pipeline can help you do. Um, some of that comes out of the box. Some of it's custom. But that is also fundamental to being able to project out or forecast revenue is having those stages in place. And then there's a phrase that I like to use that is common for, from a sales perspective, but I think a lot of people uh, probably haven't heard it, which is practicing good pipeline hygiene. That is to say, 
Don't keep old deals in that pipeline. Make sure your numbers are accurate. That is closed dates, um, overall dollar amounts, the parties involved. You need to be updating your pipeline on a weekly basis, if not daily basis. Because if you are using it to make some of these assumptions we're talking about and the information is out of date or inaccurate, well, then you're going to have an inaccurate forecast, right? So I would be very rigid about maintaining really good pipeline hygiene. And let's say we're like talking to a small business owner. It's it's one owner. They don't have a dedicated resource for biz dev. You still think that that one business owner should be doing this on a weekly basis. It, what would, if they say, oh, you know, I'm kind of just relying on, I know what's coming in the door. I know what, what it, it's a gut feeling. I think uh, in many cases, gut feeling is not a way to run your business. That is not to say that you can't tap into your intuition for good decision making, but there are, in a lot of cases, some objective hard truths we have to answer to in our business, uh, much like, you know, an analogy like our personal health, right? Um, and some of those truths re- revolve around, do we have enough uh, pipeline to meet our objectives? Is enough of it qualified? Do we have enough in proposal stage? All of those things, the only way to hold yourself accountable, in my opinion, is to make sure that they're objectively tracked and measured. If you are not doing that, then you're hoping. And from my perspective, hope is really not a strategy when it comes to running a business that can sustain yourself, your family, your employees. A lot of people rely on you. And so I think um, you have to act accordingly. Yeah, agreed. Um, the, The other thing I commonly hear is, you know, we have a lot of project-based work and we know what's coming in for the next 30 days. But like after that, it's kind of like, it'll come through the door. Uh, what's the narrative? Like, what are your thoughts on on that point of view? So that is very common. And in a lot of ways, I can empathize with that. And, and I think ultimately, if if your pipeline only projects out work that you expect to close in the next 30 to 60 days, which I which I think is honestly pretty common, um, for a lot of our clients and a lot of small business owners, that's okay, right? Now let's go back to that conversation we had earlier around, presumably you have a budget or an actual forecast for your sales for the year, right? Um, your ability to understand how much work you need to do from a business development perspective is predicated on a, a couple things, right? Uh, what are contracts that you've already signed and earn revenue on. We talked about that earlier. So that will um, count towards your overall revenue goal. What is the remainder of those contracts that you expect to deliver and thus realize that revenue? So if you're on like a monthly retainer or you've used up half of the time and materials budget, how much is left and you know you're gonna get sometime in the next couple of months, right? So it may not be a new contract, but you know you're gonna record it from a revenue perspective. That's great. The next thing is what's in the pipeline. So we'll take what's in the pipeline, apply some amount of probability, depending on the stage and um, the expected signature date. And what we're going to do is we're going to plot where we expect that revenue to hit and its likelihood over time. So that will also help give us a number for our revenue forecast. For anything that is the delta between all of those things that I just talked about and the actual revenue goal that you have for the year or for the month or whatever that duration may be, we call that the go find number in many cases. Um, That go find number means you have more work to do, right? And the reason it's so important is as an owner 
or as a dedicated business development rep or salesperson, whatever that may be, I'm constantly thinking about that go find number. Now, of course, I've got to close deals. I've got to um, uh, move relationships along to actually get to that proposal stage. That stuff never ends, right? But the thing that scares me the most is the stuff that I've not yet identified. And that's where hope is is not a strategy. Now, we all know deals come from all sorts of places. And uh, typically, they, they tend to reward those who are working hard, um, even if by accident. But if you have a really good um, idea of what that go find number is, that will really help you set priority on where you need to spend your time, what are the conversations you need to be having, and where you may find expansion or growth within your business to help you meet those uh, ultimate number. Does that make sense on sort of how I've described that? Yep. Yeah, that no, that makes sense. Um, a couple of other questions. When do you think it's the right time to for like what size? Is it a revenue size? Is it a is it an employee size to have a dedicated biz dev person? Hmm. That's a great question. So ultimately this is gonna look different for every business because I understand that some owners are really good at selling and some owners are really good practitioners, right? So maybe they're not good at selling, but they're really great at doing the creative work or the strategy work or the, the web development, right? If you, if you are a great practitioner, the answer is probably sooner rather than later, right? If you're a great seller, what I would encourage you to do is to understand what amount of your time and the time of your employees is allocated to the sales motion. And you can do this, you know, with, with your accountant or controller or, or your budgeting process, just put a number on that time that you're spending and come up with some sort of projected uh, sales and marketing number overall. So let's say that I spend, you know, if, if my salary is $100,000 a year and I spend 50% of my time on sales activities, then let's just say I spend $50,000 a year on sales, right? Just generically. Um, if in a couple of years, that number goes from 50,000 to 100,000 or 150,000, I think you have to ask yourself, can I now substantiate a full-time hire dedicated to that activity? Um, and in, in, you know, in some cases, actually, I may have room for more than just a full-time hire. I may have room for advertising or promotions or whatever that may be. That's what I would use as the basis for my um, decision-making as it relates to hiring a full-time person. But again, if you are a great practitioner and not a great seller, that answer is probably going to be sooner than when I'm you know, able to allocate the money because ultimately you need to invest. And the only way to get there is to um, maybe you know, lose a little bit of money for a little bit. Not that we encourage that, but ultimately, if you've got to grow, you need that help. Um, and you, know, you can do a whole podcast on what makes a good business development person or an account person. That is a huge topic. But I would encourage you to find help either internally or externally if finding business just is not your thing. Okay, one last question. Again, I'm kind of straying away from the, the forecasting topic, but I think it's a question that I hear a lot. It's like, okay, I've identified this, this biz dev person that I do want to hire. What are your thoughts on paying commission to the, that person? Like I'm seeing less and less of that in the agency world, but love to love to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, and to be honest, as someone who's, been in the agency world myself quite a bit and uh, also been a salesperson. Um, 
it is it is rare to see a dedicated business development or salesperson getting a commission at an agency. And I, I think part of it is just sort of um, the environment and the, uh, you know, that's the way things have always been in the agency world. The other thing that I've always heard is agency folks don't want some going out and, and finding any work at all and selling bad work, right? Or work that may not be worth it. And so you kind of get this friction or this conflict of interest sometimes of a salesperson who is very coin operated, as we say, and just wants to make a sale so they can earn money, which by the way, is great for product businesses and uh, software businesses and all that stuff. But knowing that you have to deliver that work that was sold, um, and it may not be work that A, you, you're qualified to do, uh, B, you, you want to do, or C, just isn't worth your time because the cost benefit is too high. That is to say, maybe they didn't sell a great project and you can make more money somewhere else. I think that is why a lot of folks do not actually implement a commission for their BD or salesperson. It's not to say you can't do it. I'm not against it. I just think it has to be watched and monitored carefully. Um, the approach that I I like that I see just as often is, hey, if the business meets certain revenue targets overall, let's bonus out either that person or let's bonus out the, the whole company, right? Um, I think the sales motion in agency world is very team oriented. So while you may have a salesperson who's going out and generating conversations, ultimately they're going to need to bring in this, the strategy uh, SME or the design um, leader or creative director, or maybe a, 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 an architect if it's a technical project. So you really have to rely on the experts within the agency or within the practice to complete that sale, right? Very team oriented. Um, and I think you want to enable that type of teamwork as a part of your sales motion. Um, and if only one person's getting commission uh, and others don't see the incentive for doing that, you know, in, incentives drives a lot of behavior and we all know that. So I would, I would really just push to make sure that whoever is in charge of sales and whoever's helping them and, and delivering, make sure the incentives are aligned and, you know, really to drive the best result. But it is, uh, as, as we say, it's a controversial topic for sure. Great. This has been awesome. We've, I feel like we've covered a lot of bases here. If we could leave a few key takeaways to our audience, uh, what would that be? So a couple things. One is make sure you're tracking your current projects and delivery and, you know, also your profitability of those projects. You have to be doing that, right? Whether that's your PM, which by the way, is probably should be the role to do that or the owner. Understand how you're recognizing revenue over time. And of course, your account is going to help you with that process. The next thing is you need to understand what could happen in the pipeline. And so you have to be practicing great hygiene in that pipeline. I'd be updating it almost every day, certainly every week. And then on a monthly basis, I'd be trying to reconcile all this activity to understand what is my revenue forecast through the end of the year. If I can do that repeatedly with some level of accuracy, then I really understand the ins and outs of my business. And I know exactly what I need from a capacity perspective, from a headcount perspective. I know whether I'm willing to invest or, or not invest. Those are the key elements of uh, an agency, right? You have to understand the inflows and outflows of contracts and, and the resources that are supporting those contracts. If you don't, you're going to be in for a world of pain. And I'm not, I'm not going to say that it will happen immediately, 
uh, ultimately a few sales can can cure a lot of ills, right? But as we all know, especially in, in, in agency world, um, if you are not signing those contracts, then you're probably shrinking. And so the more that you can understand your business and reduce the risk through accurate forecasting, I think it just puts you in a much better place as an owner, as an operator, and allows you to make better decisions for the longer term. Awesome. Great. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for being here with us today. Uh, that's a wrap. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, if you'd like to learn more about how to build a sellable, profitable agency, subscribe to our channel and check us out on social media at Upsource. See you next time.